1: I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I'm a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via telehealth and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, Ketotarian, and the newest book, Gut Feelings. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center. We actually have brand new telehealth patient options now open and lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And listeners of The Art of Being Well, we're giving away free signed books. What the heck? All you have to do for a chance to win is head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review The Art of Being Well there. Tell us what you love about the show. You can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple podcast review itself, or you could take a screenshot of the Apple podcast review and message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode, my team and I will be randomly picking winners from the Instagram messages, as well as the Apple podcast reviews themselves from both places. And then I'll reach out to you. I'll ask which book you want me to sign and we'll send it out to you. All right. Good luck. Let's get to today's guest. This is a first for me, drum roll. I'm having someone from my family on the pod, everybody. Not only because of nepotism, this is, that's not the reason why. <laughs> he is a leader in regenerative farming. You're going to learn so much from him. And he just so happens to be one of my best friends, my brother-in-law. The in-law part does not do it justice. He's been a part of my life for about 20 years now and he's definitely a brother to me. So his name, for those of you that don't know him, is Adam Mason. He is a regenerative farmer at Heal Farms. Heal Farms grows pasture-raised, organic-fed meat. They focus on production of the highest standards without compromising the ecosystem they operate in. Adam has been farming for over 12 years and counting from vegetable production pasture management, and animal production. Heal Farms is non-compromising and their mission is to provide their community the purest meat that is free from antibiotics, hormones, synthetics, and GMOs. They know the struggle of consumers trying to find grocery store meat that is healing to their bodies. This is why they are driven to provide their customers with food that is nutrient dense, regenerative, and healing not only to the earth, but to those that eat it. Let's get right to it. This is Adam Mason's Art of Being Well. I can't believe this day is here.
0: It's been a long time. It's been. I, We've been talking about it. <laughs> uh, I can't believe it. This
1: is kind of a big day for me. I have someone that I looked up to and my family on the podcast. How, do, how does it feel for you? Because I know uh, it's amazing for me.
0: It's awesome. I just want you to announce me. Like you do all the big shots, like you say Gwyneth freaking Paltrow, you guys say Adam freaking Mason. <laughs> Adam freaking Mason yes. is on the
1: podcast. Yes. Uh, life is complete. <laughs> You've made it. I made you it. made it. You made it. So my friend, my brother, yes. the little quick background for people, I have known you since I was probably 20 years old. Yeah. It's been a long time. So 20 years almost. I'm dating myself and we're dating, we're not, we're not, da- we're not dating each other. But. No, I mean, <laughs> we're family. So, yeah, right. so tell me like just real fast, did you ever feel like our lives would end up like this? No, no, absolutely not. I mean. Like the fact that you're even live- living in Pennsylvania.
0: Yes. Especially like where I was as a person when we met. Yeah. Um, no way. Like, I mean, I thought I would die there, but yeah yeah so much has changed yeah
1: so adam for backstory adam moved from la that's where we were living my wife's whole family's from like generation los angelinos now they're all living with me in western pennsylvania in the middle of nowhere it's
0: all because of you
1: (laughs) i I slowly (laughs) brought the los angelinos to western pennsylvania and you bought a hundred acre farm yeah and you are living the antithetical life of Los Angeles right now.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like I tell people all the time, like, I mean, I was, I did graffiti as a kid. Like <laughs> there was drive-bys and bomb squad and now I'm, you know, living what almost seems to be like impossible for a Californian to, you know, what I'm doing on my scale. Yeah, it, You know, it's, it's incredible. It's, I, I, I thank God every single day. It's 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 just, I'm living the dream, so.
1: Yeah, it is. I know, know you and know your passion and you are living the dream. And so let's talk about how you got into this because you, mm-hmm. I know you, there are many farmers out there that are probably self-trained, but you, you are not only self-trained, but you're actually academically trained yep. in this. So can you talk a little bit about what got you into regenerative farming first and then we'll define regenerative farming in a moment.
0: Yeah, I think what originally like, sparked the, the bug in me, which I didn't know I had. I mean, I wanted to be like a rock star, which was a really stupid, I mean, whatever. I was stupid and young, mm-hmm. but I took a plant ID class and that just like, I didn't realize I was a plant nerd. And then that led me to a job where I ended up in Arizona in working in like throughout all of Arizona. And I ended up in native American land and I was doing power line patrolling but what was unique is that the, seeing the level of poverty in the United States of America, you know, I mean, these people living in like 10 shacks, like third world country. Mm-hmm. And I had this vision that I was to grow food for people who couldn't grow for themselves. Mm-hmm. And the irony with all of that was I didn't know how to grow food. Mm-hmm. And so that led me down a path to eventually going to Cal Poly Pomona and getting my bachelor's in plant science. Ultimately, you know, I was, I did that for, I don't know what, eight, eight or 10 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ultimately led me here, but yeah, I did get, you know, academically trained there. learned so much from, I mean, I grew, if you, you name a crop, I grew it Mm -hmm. always, always honed towards and gravitated towards the animal pasture management side of things. Like I worked with a lot of cool projects. We, we were the first ones to ever implement sheep grazing in vineyards at Cal Poly before it was like, no, no, no. Like, you know, animals and plants are two separate things. It's like, no, like they aren't. I mean, you look at nature, like Mm -hmm. they all work together. So yeah, some really cool things. And yeah, always what I ultimately wanted to do was, you know, get that education. And then after having that, it was like, okay, where, how do I get this, Mm -hmm. this vision that I have, how do I accomplish that? So we visited friends in Haiti And we went to a very poor orphanage, and the orphanage was funded by this Haitian man. I went into the boys and girls' room, and I was overwhelmed by the stench of urine. And I'm like, Jimmy, why does it smell like this? And he goes, well, we can't afford diapers. And so the kids, they wet their beds, and we try to hose it out every day, but it's so humid that it never dries. Mm -hmm. So these foam pads were literally getting corroded by the urine, and the stench was just unbearable. I said, this is unacceptable. So when I got back to the States, I fundraised fundraised over $8,000. I brought back with me by myself 300 pounds of sheets, mattresses, or money for mattresses. I went over there, built beds. I had cloth diapers, clothes, toys, all that stuff, brought it over, which ultimately led me to starting a nonprofit called Heal, H-E-A-L. And what it was is that we could build agricultural systems for people to give them self-sustaining aid. So, you know, instead of just handing money to the orphanage, I built systems that we did a goat project. We did a medium-scaled aquaponic system. So they were able to have fish, fresh vegetables, and then any excess they could sell for, for the orphanage for schooling and stuff. Ultimately led me to Pennsylvania. And so when it was time to start our farm I hated the aspect of always feeling like I had to beg for money. I felt like I was a professional beggar doing the nonprofit thing. So we wanted a way to support the nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And so we called it Heal for Heal Farms. And it was a way to a percentage of all of our sales goes to Heal the nonprofit. I love that. Yeah. So- A long story. No, it's an amazing story.
1: (laughs) Uh, Quick, I, I, I know- you gave us the the high level points and i know for a moment i know this has nothing to do with regenerative farming but i just want to geek out on the fact that you also worked on like a disney farm at one point right yes. and a lot of the shows that people see on tv you i think you could say that it was a stepping stone in many ways yes. and you learned a lot it's not what you wanted to do for right. long term but you still honored that season of your life doing farming for the film industry right yeah
0: yeah, so it was for um, Disney. Bought the ranch in 1950. Like Old Yeller was shot there. Little House on the Prairie, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Office. Like Dwight Truth's beet farm was there. That wow. was the coolest thing for me, <laughs> being a huge Office fan. But yeah, it was definitely not what I wanted to do. Like I was put on this earth to grow food for people, and it was not growing food. I mean, it was this. You know Disney, it's it's the magic, right? The yeah. the facade of everything, but it did land me here. Which, although it was not a good time in my life, it just wasn't rewarding. There was no, I feel like um, I have to do something that I, I feel is noble, and then that was not a noble job, noble position. Mm-hmm. So, but I think you,
1: like you said, it, if it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have ended up. Yeah,
0: here. yeah, because that having that on my resume ended me up in Pennsylvania. Yeah, exactly. So
1: then you got on your own. You have this beautiful farm in Western Pennsylvania. Let's define, we've talked about it briefly in past episodes, but I I want to touch on this briefly just to define this term that people may be here, regenerative farming. Mm -hmm. They know it's good. They maybe know a little bit about it, but what sets regenerative farming apart and how is it different than just organic?
0: Yeah, so regenerative it is so multifaceted. And there's multiple ways to skin that cat. It is looking at soil health, community, ecosystems, animal health, plant health, all these factors, weather, it all plays into this. And you are sitting there juggling each one of these, trying to make this balance wonderful ecosystem. And it's it's a way that you aren't you aren't forcing nature to bend to your knees to to its knees it's it's a way to work with w- amongst nature to where you can create production, grow incredibly healthy food that is healthy for the plants, healthy for the soil, healthy when we consume it, and overall healthy for the ecosystem and and the mm. wildlife around you because you know it's it, it's we're all living amongst that, and it is it is a difficult thing to defined because industry is constantly, they see that money getting pushed towards that. I mean, people are are striving for health in their bodies, health in their food. And so big ag is trying to take those customers and deceiving them. And so it is, it's constantly a battle as a small farmer, you know, doing what is right, having the integrity and standards that we do to constantly try to redefine Mm -hmm. what we're doing because the industry takes takes that and, and gets it twisted where they can label their product with the right. words that we're using.
1: Right, so this is done in other spaces within our world, right? It's right. it's it's done in the beauty world, the clean beauty world. They call it greenwashing, right? Yes. It's done it's done in health food with labeling of things. It's done in farming, obviously, greenwashing. And yeah. it, with marketing terms and make it sound natural. Someone told me, I'm not gonna blast the actual company out, but they, they used to call it, Let's just, the original name was Chemlon. Kemlon was the original. This is a company that made people's yards like really green and okay. lush and like what a, a monoculture yeah. of grass. And we were talking about it in the morning meeting for patients and they changed their name using the word green. It was something about like green or eco and they made it seem, mm. oh wow, this is like just green. It's natural. Right. But it's. I said the original name was the actual more descriptive right. chemicals on yeah, your yeah, line. Yeah. Yeah. So I know this is a small example, but it's done in every world because the, like you said, the consumer is becoming savvier. Right. People are more empowered and educated. They are concerned about their health. So big corporations are being mindful of that. And look, many times big corporations can actually be changed because it's true. of grassroots and people, the consumer speaking with their dollar. Right.
0: Yeah, so one of the things I always am concerned about is that when you look at the big corporations, their number one driving force is profit. So they are profit drives all their decisions. So even though they may be changing some things, they're still bottom line and they won't make the full change. It's, you know, there's many times that we get customers and they're constantly they see the the industry lies, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's words that were taken like for instance, free-range organic. Everyone thinks, when you say that, you paint the picture of like, oh, these chickens are out on grass, they're free-ranging, and they're organic, so there's no, there's no synthetics, no any of that. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter, that's not true. Mm-hmm. So when you look at free-range, let's talk on the conventional side, free-range eggs, for instance, or free-range chicken you know, meat. What it really is, is a giant warehouse with 100,000 other birds. These chickens are walking around in their own feces. The air is so toxic that the workers have to wear full hazmat suits to go in there. I mean, the dander, the ammonia, all that stress, all those toxins are going straight to their meat. They're getting fed antibiotics. To basically keep them, prop them up and keep them alive. Right, because
1: they are, otherwise they would get diseases.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then you look at what that produces. So, that situation, what's the one thing you think when you think of manure? What immediately lands on there? Flies, right? So you have this outbreak of fly larva outbreak, and so the, what is it? You know that's pestering the, the chickens, giving them more stress. So what do they do? They literally give them pesticide in their feed, so that when they poop out the manure, it's toxic to the flies. So not toxic enough to kill them, but toxic enough to kill the, the fly larva. And it's like that's our that's what we're consuming, and none of this this is all hidden in the grocery stores. You don't see that. And then you see antibiotic and hormone free well, hormones have been outlawed in, in chickens and so you you can't find that but certain antibiotics produce a growth at a small dose will, will produce actually a, a growth type situation for the chicken mm-hmm. so it is not technically a hormone yeah um, but it but, acts but like it a acts as, hormone. As, as growing you know so yeah so there you know and then the USDA will, take an antibiotic and say, oh, that's technically not an antibiotic and pass that through. So there's a lot of revolving door with the industry and many of my customers, they don't trust what they see in the grocery store and I don't blame them. I don't trust it either, you know?
1: Lately, I've been trying out new mocktail recipes when friends come over. I'm always looking for something that won't leave anyone out, even if they're cutting back on alcohol or like myself, I don't drink alcohol. If you're looking to unwind with a refreshing drink after a busy day or when people are coming over your house and you don't like hangovers or bloating or feeling like crap the next morning, a drink that I love is hop water. Hop water is a non-alcoholic sparkling hop water with adaptogens and neurotropics for added mood boosting, brain boosting benefits. It's a drink that loves you back, but still helps you unwind, calm down. It tastes amazing. Hop water, that's H-O-P-W-T-R, hop water. It's made from an exclusive blend of hops that gives it this crisp, citrusy, piney flavor that tastes so good. The best part, hop water is purposefully crafted without any calories, without any carbs or sugar or other nasty ingredients, but so refreshing and full of hobby flavor. What I also love about Hopwater is you can have them straight up like I do, but they also have these amazing mocktail recipes that I've been experimenting with. They have it on their website. Hopwater is the perfect brew to help you unwind at any time. I know you'll love it too. And I've arranged for a special limited time offer just for my listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase, plus get free shipping when you order 24 cans or more. To get this offer, you have to go to my special URL. That's hopwater.com slash willcole. That's H-O-P-W-T-R.com slash willcole. Don't wait, order today. Go to hopwtr.com dot Slash Will Cole. Hop, slash Will Cole. Our next partner is something that I have every day. I recommend it to telehealth patients. It's called AG1. It's the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it every day. It's super convenient in between consulting patients. And I have taken it for years. It's so freaking good. Through a science driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients, AG1 delivers comprehensive support for your brain, your gut, and your immune system. Since 2010, they've improved their formula 52 times in the pursuit of making the best foundational nutrition supplement imaginable through high quality ingredients and rigorous standards. With just one scoop of AG1, you can get the nutrients and gut health support that helps your whole body thrive and cover your nutritional bases. Look, you all know I look at labs for a living. I see nutrient deficiencies every day on new patients. What I love about AG1, it's one simple thing, one ritual you can do every day to cover the most common nutrient deficiencies. And that's what the their whole point is, is foundational nutrition support. Think of AG1 like a multivitamin, multimineral A green superfood, a probiotic blend, an adaptogen blend, and a functional mushroom blend all in one. I love that AG1 is delivered monthly, so I don't have to think about it. I also love their travel packs. I just came back from traveling abroad. I brought, if I'm gone for like seven days, I'm packing seven ag1 travel pack so i can have one every day on the go so i don't have to miss a day it tastes great you just mix it up with water it's really easy if you want to put it into a smoothie you can do that too but you can feel good knowing you've taken great care of your health every day so if you want to take ownership of your health it starts with ag1 try ag1 and get a free one year supply of their liquid vitamin d3 k2 you get a whole year supply of that as well as five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. So you have to go to drinkag1.com slash Will That's D-R-I-N-K-A-G and then the number one.com slash Will Drinkag1.com slash Will Check it out. So you we defined, I'm glad you got into this because I wanted to get into the weeds with these labels so people can know when they're at the supermarket or at the farmer's market or wherever, if they're shopping online, what are terms to look out for? So free range, that's kind of what that means. It's yeah. not really descriptive. So what, I guess, what differentiates free range versus something that's labeled nothing. It's just mm-hmm. your standard old chicken or eggs. What would be the difference
0: there? Yeah, the di- there's really no difference because most states have banned cages. So you'll see cage-free, free-range, mm. organic. It's still grown all in the same environment. So you know they're, they're looking at bottom dollar. So they build these giant warehouses and cram a bunch of chickens in there. They have to have so much per square feet per bird, but the living conditions is pretty much all the same. They've never mm-hmm. seen the light of day. They've never seen a cricket or grasshopper, mm-hmm. you know, grass and clover. And it all just, all those toxins that goes into their body, we are we are mm-hmm. partaking of that as well. Right. Okay. So can we go
1: back before we get into the yes. labels? So stay tuned. Everybody. We're going to get into the labels of everything, but what's one thing? I mean, obviously it's that your chickens are free range versus thing. Can you give us an experience? Specific example of how a regenerative farmer like you would do something different than a conventional farmer. Yeah. And maybe it's that, maybe it's the chickens. But what comes to mind, I know it's all encompassing. You mentioned like multifaceted reasons. But just to give people, like, a, okay, this is just one of many things that we do
0: differently. So, so what we do differently with our chickens? I mean, you see, I've hopefully painted a horror picture of yeah. of what's in the industry. Ours is complete opposite. Everything you can think of is complete opposite. So, our chicks, we get our chicks. They're about one to two days old. They go onto heat lamps. So chicks normally they, you know, they can't regulate their body temperature. Normally they'd be under mama, you know, in the feathers, and the mom would keep them warm. So we put ours under heat lamps. They start indoors for two weeks and they're on a deep bed mulching. So they're scratching through, pecking at the mulch, turning over the manure, and a very clean environment. After two weeks, they get their true feathers, which then they can regulate their body temperature. After that, they go out onto pasture. So we have a 10 by 12 shelter. Each group has about 75 birds in each shelter and I move the shelter every single day. I can (laughs) vouch for that. I see it. Moving around. Yes. And so like that, that's one thing I don't like when chicken season starts and yes, there is a chicken season. You can't (laughs) grow a tomato in in December. You can't grow a chicken in December. And so a pasture raised chicken, I should say. So uh, when I got there, it's every single day, there's no day off and they get moved every single day because I don't want, they do put down a good manure load on each day and they get a new, clean, fresh section under that shelter every single day. So that that does multiple things. One, the first thing they do is they run up as I'm pulling the shelter towards me, they come run at my feet and they're chasing all the crickets and grasshoppers that are jumping out. Any insects that are jumping, they're nailing those things. All that nutrients that that cricket was harvesting and growing its body now just went into that chicken and then ultimately into us and our consumers. Mm. So then- also, they're getting fresh forage. That is non-existent in conventional conventional grown chicken, even organic. They've never seen a blade of grass. And so they're getting, you'll see them, they'll, they'll start tearing. You listen and you can hear just tearing of vegetation, clover, grass, all the multi-species of, of plants that we have in there. They're they're consuming all of that. Mm-hmm. And then leaving that manure, That that does an amazing thing of breaking a pathogen cycle. You know, when a chicken is constantly on, Walking around their own manure, yeah, that's when you have disease, and, and that's why too. they have to have antibiotics. Given, yeah. so we don't have that. And the, the amazing thing about that, and probably getting too far into the weeds because I love this stuff, but no, this, is, this um, is people are eating this stuff right now. <laughs> uh, wait, wait till they try a chicken; they'll really be eating it. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the incredible thing is the manure that's left behind. The darkest, deepest, tallest vegetation that is on the property is after the chickens go through there. Mm. That manure load creates this incredible, incredible lush forage in the pasture because right. we we put the perfect amount of manure per day. So if we left them there for you know, five days, it's too much manure for the microbes in the soil mm-hmm. to break that down. You actually de- degrade your pasture. So that pulsing of manure and and resting allows the plants to come back in a way that I, it's, it's unbelievable. Like even in December when everything goes dormant, that still is, is green, right. you know, because it it has, it has way more nutrients Then we haven't gotten into this yet, but the cows, when the cows then rotate through, through the property, they're going straight for that because that's the, the most nutrients anywhere on the pasture. Wow. So it's, it's a really, a really awesome thing. It's
1: powerful. So it, when you talk about, I mean, you're called Heal Farms, and what we're talking about is not only using food as medicine from a nutrient density, bioavailable nutrient density for people, and healing humans with food as medicine, yes. but it's also healing the earth.
0: Yes, Absolutely.
1: So this is from an environmental standpoint. I'm just giving people reasons why this is so important because when you're talking about the soil microbiome, like, I don't know how, let's maybe touch on this, like what's happening to the soil microbiome and what's happening environmentally and why people like yourself, local farmers are doing so much to actually heal the environment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just on a carbon sequestration uh, alone, pasture is one of the the best forms of of carbon sink. So it is pulling carbon out of the atmosphere. I mean, you think about it, plants, right? Plants need carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen to make sugar. Mm -hmm. And so they get oxygen and hydrogen from water, and then they use carbon, carbon dioxide from- are breathing out, animals breathing out, to take that into their, you know, cells and and turn that into sugar. And what they do is they take that and they form that down into the roots. Mm-hmm. Those roots stay there. That That stays there. Mm-hmm. And one of the most damaging things that we can do to an environment is to plow that up. So you look at, crops i mean they're just releasing all that carbon that's stored in there yeah. so having a really well managed pasture you're taking all the carbon from the atmosphere and storing it in the soil and it it stays there until you know until it's opened up mm-hmm. and it shouldn't ever be opened up but the the impact that ruminants cows sheep that they have of taking that forage and converting that into manure cycles that carbon back down into the into the ground and and the microbes are i mean you look at a teaspoon i believe it's a teaspoon of soil has over a billion organisms living in it and you think you think of like you know just on like we have a where our chickens are as like an 8 acre field that's how many I don't even know the number. Quadrillions of, mm-hmm. of upon quadrillions of organisms that you have living in there that are all just metabolizing the methane and the, the carbon and breaking everything down. You have a living ecosystem mm-hmm. underneath that soil that we don't ever see. Mm-hmm. And it's such an important ecosystem. So that's why we always we always look at the plants, how the plants are reacting is is a reflection mm. of the health of the, the soil ecosystem. Wow.
1: Yeah. So you are, you repair, you're basically in, in a way it's, it could be said that regenerative farming is doing mimicking nature, right? Absolutely. But it's mimicking nature, but also for production, right? It's like yes. balancing ecology with productivity and I guess output, right? Yes. To feed people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, nature is the greatest example of, of what we should be doing. So, If we were to take the wildebeest in in Serengeti to the bison in North America, I mean, we don't have them anymore, but we used to have in order from 40 to 60 million bison running around the United States before they were almost extinct that we, you know, they shot them all, but that all created this incredible ecosystem to where these large animals grazed these areas. And then what do you see come after that? You see birds follow them, right? Cause mm-hmm. they're scratching through the patty, the cow pies, right? Mm-hmm. The manure of the, the, the bison, they're picking at larva and beetles that go in their dung beetles and they're consuming that. And then they spread that fertility out and you looked at the soil, the soils, they estimated anywhere from like, you know, 10 to plus 10 or eight to 10 feet deep that the topsoil was, was the roots were down, down in that, in that soil. And that's been, you know, through the plow and, Mm -hmm. you know, plant agriculture, it's, it's been all that topsoil has been eroded, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's, so that's the same model that we mimic. We have the cows come in and since for, for instance, our, our meat birds, Right. It gets to a point where the grass gets too tall. One, I can't pull the shelters through that tall grass, right. and two, you know, a chicken's not going to be eating a twenty-four inch blade of grass, but a cow can, and so they take what is, you know, we can't eat that—that it's, it's cellulose, we can't consume that, mm-hmm. but since they have that that cham- four-chambered stomach, they can ruminate that. Take that, break that down and turn it into fat and protein that is incredibly healthy for consumption on the human body. And so when they do that, they're taking that grass down. That allows the chickens then to go and get that regrowth that's lush and tender and that they can can, uh, metabolize that and then you create that cycle. So mm-hmm. so then the chickens go in, they're scratching through the cow pies, spreading out the manure, yeah. um, and you're just building upon the the manure layer and carbon layer that you're laying down. You're just building and building and that's how you actually grow soil. Right. You know, there's no other way. There's no other way to sequester carbon or grow soil other than than that than that process. Right which is this? the soil microbiome is so intimately
1: connected to the gut microbiome. So if you look at the epidemic rise of autoimmune conditions, Absolutely. everybody, it's linked to the what's not happening on a mass scale and the destruction of the soil microbiome is so much connected to why people, so many people that are listening to this right now have digestive problems, have Absolutely. inflammatory problems, have autoimmune issues, have brain health issues, in part because we are what we eat, but we also... We are what well, we eat eats.
0: Yeah, we are. Yes, what,
1: whatever we're eating. What What are they eating?
0: Right, and chase that down. It's like what are the plants consuming? It's yeah. like you know, if they don't have healthy soils, what are the bugs eating? Yeah, what are they? Well, yeah, what are the microbes eating? So, and it all creates it's a cycle. You know, it's a yeah. beautiful cycle of plants, animals, and humans. And if they're not all managed correctly, you have you un- have unhealthy uh, products. But when it's managed correctly, you know, taking nature, looking at that as our as our example. It's unbelievable. You have healthy animals, healthy plants, and healthy humans. Yeah, wow. Okay, so let's talk about, we're talking about eggs,
1: chickens, pig, cows. Yes. These are the things that you have on the farm. <laughs> yep. Give people a perusing of the, I guess, the nutrient density difference. People often talk about like the color of the yolk versus like the conventional egg versus an egg on yes. uh, a, a regenerative farm. But go beyond it, with the meat as well. So people can- understand the difference of why they should go for this type of meat versus another kind.
0: Okay. So I'll start with the chicken. Cause that's like the bulk of what, what we grow the chicken. So people always say it like, Oh, you, you know, you kind of want this sedentary chicken, right? Like, Oh, if it walks around, it's going to be tough. It's actually not true Mm. the reason why our chicken and i'll seriously i'll put it against anything out there it is so incredibly tender literally customers i agree you can cut it with a fork it's that tender i mean you've tried yeah you know and the reason for that is because they are getting oxygen and exercise that oxygenation of the muscles it creates a tenderness and then their diet let's look at their diet i mean it is you go get free range organic their diet consists of one thing is grain It's, Mm. it's soy, you know, corn, if it's organic, okay, great. You know, but they're still only getting one thing, seeds. And so that is a very limited nutrient profile. Ours have 30 different species of plants in, in the pasture. They're consuming those plants, the flavor and tenderness and nutrient profile completely changes when an animal goes on a pasture. So I think omega three to six ratio cuts in half when you put it out on pasture so the, the it just you know it spikes in in health potential when you do that and so that's on the chicken side of things then you go to the eggs our egg layers are doing the same thing they are now they they get in in a large area they're about like a third of an acre and they get moved about every week so they have a little bit more roaming area to mm-hmm. to kind of range around and forage for things but the yolk on these things are so dark orange i show everyone i when i do farmers markets and you know events like that i show a picture of organic free range and then ours so organic free range are these flat pale yellow yolks you know that the whites are just completely clear and, and mm. flat you look at ours dark perky orange and the white has like a hint of color and shade into it too Mm -hmm. it's all because of that, that nutrient profile. Mm -hmm. They're, they're consuming a diet that has, has the lycopenes in it and all that diet that they're consuming, the grasshoppers, the crickets, that's all going into their eggs. Right. And it's, and the flavor is unbelievable. So I have an interesting thing with eggs. I was talking to a lady and she said, yeah, I used to grow, I used to grow chickens. We used to have them out on, on pasture and I was like, really? And she's like, yeah. She's like, we did about 20,000 birds. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. She said, yeah, but right around the 60s and 70s, people started growing chickens indoors. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I know I know about that. And that's, that's what we have now today. And she said, yeah. And what the consumer wanted, they didn't want our eggs because they were orange. And I was like, really? She said, yeah, the growers of the, the producers that were putting the chickens inside, mm. they started marketing their eggs as that the consumer, you want pale yellow yolks, you want light yellow yolks, not dark orange. So people got tricked into this, deceived, mm-hmm. and thinking, "Oh yeah, I do want I want pale yellow." The reason why they were having pale yellow is because they're only getting grain, so they're, they're they're getting less nutrients, and then they changed the the culture yeah. to where they wanted that pale yellow. So it's just unbelievable. It's like well, man, we can make more money if we put chickens indoors and then we'll Mm -hmm. just market to them and tell them that that's what they want. Yeah, You know, so it's, it's that, that's where constant trying to re-educate people. Right. And it's isn't like, that so also
1: not on maybe less of a nutrient standpoint, but the, just the, all the white eggs were
0: the yes. thing for
1: the, to, for and the time. And the white
0: eggs came in that point too. Yeah. The white leghorn is a, a very good producer, but they. So it's about profits again. It's about profits. It's all profit driven. Yeah. So that's where, you know, we're not, I'm, I, I would say I'm integrity driven. I. I pride myself. I I do not compromise. For us, you know, we wanted to grow our own food because we can't. You can't trust what's in the, in the grocery store. You can't trust even some of these people that are selling stuff online. You don't know them. You don't know what they're putting in there. And so, one thing that that was important to us is that we're growing our foo- our own food. I don't compromise on things. I don't have any synthetics, no antibiotics, no hormones no gmos no vaccines none of that i don't i want the purest meat that i could possibly feed to our family and i i want to pass that on to the our customers right
1: and that's uh, knowing you you are uh, zealous to say the <laughs> least about this you're like mess- messianic about it all so what's the solution for the consumer out there is it that they have to go and like interview their farmers i mean how the person that's listening is okay. Great, I, I can't trust the labels. Yeah. I can What do I do? Yeah. Okay. So give, yes, us yeah, give us some tips. Give us some tips. It's the
0: biggest thing, and I and I've like I've thought about this too. Because like, how do you trust your farmer? Like, the only ways you can look at that person and look at their life, and I mean, you have to have a relationship with that person. You know, you don't get that. You definitely don't get that in the grocery store. You may get it with some of the people if they're being transparent online. But that's, you know, if, if that's what you're looking for, I want to be your farmer. I have that integrity and it's something I pride myself. I I tell all my customers, we have full transparency. We're not hiding anything. Mm -hmm. Um, There's nothing to hide. And so, you know, a lot of people say, are you organic? I will never be organic because (laughs) here's the problem with being certified organic. We're going through a third party to say, oh yeah, this guy, he meets these certain standards. I match every one of the certified organic standards, and in almost everything, I exceed it, right? You don't have to have that chicken out on grass, out on pasture to be mm-hmm. organic. I could put that bird in a house, you know, and then call it organic. W- what does that do? That's just That does nothing. Mm-hmm. And, And then also, you look at, you still rely on the trust of that farmer, even being organic, Mm -hmm. because they aren't doing chemical synthetic testing on the products. Mm -hmm. So, what's to say if I don't go out and spray 2,4 D on my pastures at two in the morning? Who's gonna know? Well, you're gonna know me because you know my integrity, you know that I don't compromise. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it really boils down to knowing your farmer. And, and knowing what, what they really are about and, you know, their whole life, it, it should portray yeah. that. So let's unpack
1: a few things there. I know a lot of local farmers that just said what you said is that there's so much bureaucracy and it's very expensive to, yeah. to jump all through those hoops and at the end of the day – on, if you're talking about community eating eating locally supporting local farmers yes it really doesn't they're not testing the the makeup of the food organic versus no. not right the inspector goes to the farm and are they checking the things, but you don't know what they're doing as soon as the inspector leaves.
0: Right, because the farmer is still responsible for reporting all that stuff. Okay. So so it's like, okay, yeah. so once again, you're still you're still banking on the farmer. So why why have right. this certification? You know, and, and what did it, it, I should have looked up the number before, but I think it was in the trillions of dollars. It was like $30 trillion that had been made off false organic labeling. I hear it all the time. Yeah, it's all the time. And yeah. so, you know, now we do buy certified organic feed to me, it's it's a a better potential that it doesn't have synthetics, right? right. It's you're, like there, there's like one step above. Exactly, like, it's you a know, good move in the right direction. Right, in the right direction. So like, you know, if I'm buying something that I know was sprayed, then it's guaranteed on there. But I'm, I'm hoping, I'm paying a premium for that. Right. So I'm hoping that it does have that on there. But ultimately, it still boils down to the farmer being honest with how they're documenting. Yeah, got it, got it.
1: For my telehealth patients who choose to drink alcohol, they want to know what are my favorite recommendations? What are my my better for you options? And one of the only things that I recommend in this category is hard kombucha. And a brand that I love that has been filling in this white space for a long time is June Shine. Unlike non-alcoholic kombucha, what June Shine has, it doesn't have that acidic vinegary bite. It tastes much more like a champagne because it's made with green tea and honey, June kombucha, instead of black tea and sugar, which is regular kombucha. What I love about June Shine is that they have ingredient transparency. All the ingredients are listed on the can, unlike other alcoholic beverages, and they're all items you can actually pronounce. They have no preservatives like sulfites, sodium benzoate, which can make many people feel like crap and drive hangovers and headaches and digestive problems. There's no artificial sweeteners and they have nutrients like vitamin B, vitamin C and antioxidants, which are honestly all recommended for hangovers and are found in their products to varying degrees. And these drinks are low in sugar. It's one of their biggest differentiators. In comparison to many canned options, they're far less sugar. Sugar is known to increase the severity of hangovers. Honestly, my telehealth patients who choose to drink, they love this stuff. Juneshine can be found in over 10,000 stores across the United States. It's available at all the retailers you're already visiting for groceries and alcohol, like Whole Foods, Target, Ralph's, Vons, Albertsons, Kroger's, Wegmans, Total Wine, BevMo, Safeway, and so much more. We've worked out a special deal for our listeners. At any store, you can buy one Shine package and get the second for only one penny, one cent. That's $12 to $20 in value. I recommend trying one of their best-selling variety packs. It's a great way to try all of their delicious flavors. Go to juneshine.com/willcole, just text a photo of your receipt and they'll Venmo you immediately. It's that easy. That's j u n e s h i n e.com/willcole. juneshine.com/willcole. There are so many headlines about contamination from heavy metals, pesticides, Toxins, not just in the environment, but what we put in our bodies as well. That's why I love brands like Puri, pure natural food supplements. I love their omega 3 capsules and so many other products from Puri. Omega 3 is an essential fatty acid that we need in our diet. It supports your heart health, your brain, your eyes, your skin health. I love that Puri's O3 Ultra Pure Fish Oil offers a high dose of 2,000 milligrams of long chain omega-3 fatty acids, the EPA and DHA found in natural triglyceride form. It's also certified clean and fresh by the Clean Label product and by IFOS. And every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants, including heavy metals, pesticides, dioxins, and bisphenols. I am such a fan of Puri's transparency. You can scan the QR code on the bottle to see the test results for the specific batch. It's so cool. Be aware of what you're putting in your body. Trust Puri like I do. Right now, Puri is offering my listeners 20% off site-wide. Go now to the special URL, puri.com slash Will and use my promo code Will Cole. This even applies to the already discounted subscriptions. You'll get almost a third off the price. You have to go to P-U-O-R-I dot com slash Will Cole. P-U-O-R-I dot com slash Will Cole.
0: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a
1: gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. you should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle, find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So what do you say to the person that is says, well, eating like this costs more? Yeah. Would you, what do you say to that? And number 2, what do you say would you rather someone not eat meat at all if they can't get this sort of beyond organic, regenerative, local farming criteria?
0: No, I wouldn't. And and I feel like I've kind of changed my position on well, no I haven't always, but I know that that it's still I, I know that the research still shows that eating meat is definitely more beneficial and yes, I I'm not going to make excuses our our chicken is more expensive than what you're going to mm-hmm. find. Mm-hmm. You look at what goes into it and there's, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Just today I had somebody like, literally hour an hour before I had to leave. He came in, he's like, yeah, I want to get some chicken. And he saw the price and was like, okay, like totally sticker shock. You know, I'm not your, your cheap chicken. I mean, if yeah. you want that, go, you know, go to the grocery store and try and find the discount chicken. There's so much labor involved in what we do. You know, I, I, <laughs> You go to a conventional farmer. He's not moving the chickens every single day. He's yeah. not buying you know feed that's over double the cost of, yeah. of GMO and it's feed. not mass produced. And it's not mass yeah, produced. You're talking you know? about really yeah we're slow. very. I mean we're yeah. a small scale farm. Yeah. You know you can't you know our, our our profit margins are tight. And so yeah it is it is it is costly. But you know you kind of you you pay for what you get. But the the ultimate like if you're telling me you know, a full, I'm probably going to upset people, but a full vegan diet versus, you know, what you find. Yeah. I would, I would push, push them towards like, you got to eat meat. Like,
1: yeah. You know,
0: so pragmatically you're like, okay, if
1: you can't do everything perfectly, right. There's no such thing as perfect anyways, but at least lean into better for you options. All right. And then what would you say to somebody that is like where do they start? Do they go to the farmers market? Obviously, you guys ship around yeah, the country. Yeah, too. so we
0: just launched shipping, so we're we're a great start. If you, I mean, here's one thing I always say, you know, know your farmer and trust them. So it's like, well, how do I do that if I live, you know, we're in Pennsylvania? What if they're like in Missouri or something? It's like, how do I how do I do that? I try to always post. We do the Instagram thing. I try to post stories every day. It's a way of digitally. Showing, connecting—you yeah. know—people love your stories. All right, you—it's well, like behind the scenes
1: view of what the farm's like. So I guess yeah. on that way, it is using social social media to keep people in on yeah. like understand, educating them, yeah, imp- informing them of what goes into their food.
0: Right, and so I mean, I do love the whole education thing. I mean, worked for the university for you know five years and always loved educating people. I even at markets and you know new cons- customers that I meet, I love educating. I love telling people about this. You guys could call me up. <laughs> I'll probably spend too much time on the phone talking about this because it's it's, it's it's my <laughs> yeah. it's my life's passion. But yeah, I think it's so important that people know where their food is coming from, and that's why I try to do the stories. I try to like you know put a little highlight of the day and educate people on what we're doing. Even though you know it's sometimes it's hard for me to you know when cows are taking off running like try to try to record them or whatnot. <laughs> But yeah, that's, that's one thing that I, I try to add to our product. Yeah. So I guess Um, like
1: in lieu of, because we're talking about still online shipping, you're still a local farmer. You're just using the best of modernity, which is social media and getting, getting to know you. Then you obviously can call him up Yeah. if you want to do that, but it's. yeah. And we
0: have tours too. I mean, that's one thing I love doing. We're doing, we're doing tours now and slowly adding to that because yeah, it's so important. I mean, like, if you don't know what you're putting on your dinner table, uh, gosh, like it's, I I want to put it something on there, you know, mm-hmm. that, that I didn't know. So yeah, I think, I think that's, that's huge when purchasing your, your meats. What's your favorite,
1: if you're talking about chicken or yes. organic, regenerative farmed, like all the best, the highest quality that, I mean, chickens that ate organic feed and they're out eating bugs too in mm-hmm. the sunlight, they're getting all this nutrient. What's your favorite way to cook? Chicken,
0: well, my favorite we have uh, mild Italian sausage, and it is I always tell this at, at at farmers' markets I'm like I feel like I'm like like throwing this like sales pitch, but it is so good. I'll put it against any sausage out there I'm literally like I tell that a lot to like all the the new people that like come up and try and you know tell them what we're about. And I have another lady that's kind of waiting in line there. And I was like, our mild chicken sausage is unreal. And I said, I, I say that a lot. And people probably think I'm just like selling you a product. And I was like, I'm not. And then this lady, she, she bought it last week. She was like, "She's like, he's not. It's amazing. She's like, he's my new dealer. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I was like, why don't you try it? It's so good. Yeah. Um, but that is, we have the sausage. I like thighs. I like the thighs. You have amazing wings too. The wings are awesome. Hey, you know, I wasn't doing wings and then we tried, we did a package of wings, and I was like, what have I I've been like not eating these. They're so mm-hmm. good. I mean, and they're you buy wings at the store and they're these dinky little things, you know, you have to nibble off <laughs> to get a couple bites. These are full bites of of meat. I mean, they're they're you know, because we're not processing them at at three weeks. These are full full sized birds. Um, okay, so that's another thing about profits too, right? It's yes. you
1: are letting them grow longer. Yes,
0: yeah, and after about week, so our birds that th- we can process them at, at seven weeks old. Typically, in the store, when you see like a small Cornish, that's like a three to four week old bird, and then so they'll take like the wings off of it and sell those to, you know, whatever wing store restaurants or whatever, but uh, ours are seven weeks old. And at that week five, that's when they start really, really mm-hmm. pulling down the feed. I mean, they start, they start consuming like crazy. I mm-hmm. mean, and so, yeah, there is, that's when, that's when the the feed costs rise definitely. Right. But yeah, that, that, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So what, this is a
1: bigger topic and I, this is not what this conversation is for, but I'm curious cause I know at the farmer's markets, you will get from time to time the person that says, I'm a vegan. Yes. Uh, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't want to hurt animals. Like it's about, oh, like, yeah. not the health perspective because okay. that's a different topic. Hopefully, we've talked about nutrient density enough and protein, <laughs> protein people, yeah. healthy fat. Like there's not there's a number of macro and micro reasons why I'm not getting into that. But what do you say to someone that's like animal welfare or I don't want to hurt an anim- animal? Obviously, the life of the chicken. Living way better on heel Farms. Oh, yeah. Living way better on regenerative farms. So there's a no yes. question that the life of the chicken is living a wonderful life. It's not stressed. It's eating good food. Yeah. It's doing what it was designed to do. It's foraging. But it's still dying at the end of the day. Yes. So what do you say to the person that's like, you know what? That's still cruel.
0: Yeah, i I feel like, I, I engage. <laughs> I don't back down. I'm like, he's, okay, I'm not going to get this. I was going to say
1: you're an Enneagram 8, which is like, the, <laughs> he's like the purest challenger. <laughs> he's, he's up for the debate.
0: Yeah, I love debate. I love discussion. So with people, I, every, they're like, I hand them a flyer. but like, oh yeah, we're heel Farms. And they're like, I'm vegetarian. I'm like, I got to ask you why. <laughs> and like, I, I, I want to know why, because I'm honestly looking for the people, which what you brought up. And I think I've only had it once, but it was their daughter that they were kind of advocating for. But most people say, oh, like, they just feel better. It's like healthier. And I'm like, Argh. like, eh, I don't. Yeah, you should. Read a couple books, but uh, okay. So on the like animal, uh, on, real fast, real,
1: interject real fast. I feel like yeah. some so many people have hyperchlorhydria and they're not breaking down proteins and fats very well because they have gut health problems. Mm. So I th- I do think there's something to to that to that, but it's not normal. It's okay. like they're having problems processing f- foods, but it's
0: like they're treating a symptom instead exactly. of a cause. So yeah. they're
1: avoiding something that uh. they're not breaking down instead of healing their guts. They're just avoiding that food. Wow! And sometimes I do think it's psychosomatic, where it's like they they have stress and obsess and negativity around it, and that mind body connection can also impact an outcome. Is too. that
0: a breakdown of all proteins or just well, animal proteins? And, and, and all proteins, but.
1: they notice it more with things that are richer with complete proteins. Hmm. Uh, And fish tends to break down easier than some of the other meats. Okay, And chicken's better than red meat. So they they will typically be okay with the chickens, but the red meat, they'll say, oh no, it just sits heavy with me, I can't do it. And then they therefore think red meat's not good for them. No, it's a sign that you need to help with digestion and absorption.
0: That's but, interesting because a lot of vegetarians that I talk to, they said, "Well, we eat fish." So that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and
1: that pescatarians. Yeah, they're, they. Yeah, so like, why don't you just say yeah, you're pescatarian? They still identify as vegetarians. <laughs> vegetarian. They just that label's important <laughs> to them because they right. feel holier than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, the pescatarians yeah. less cool. Right. Yeah, <laughs> pescatarian sounds like you're a pessimist. Yeah. You know? Right.
1: Right. It's just like not <laughs> as. It's not as a a hip. So let's get back to what I interrupted you about. Uh, Yeah. So
0: on the like, oh, I don't want to hurt animals. That's a big one. I've been like waiting for a person to have the discussion with. But now's uh, your time. Huh? Now's Now's your time. Here it is.
1: (laughs) Run of a couple hundred thousand people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. I did plant agriculture for over a decade. I'm going to tell you right now. If you are eating a vegan vegetarian diet because you are afraid of killing animals, you are causing more death than if you were to eat animal an animal like a paleo diet. The amount of death that happens. First of all, we need to get away that like death is a bad thing because everything has to die. But that's like a total. Side yeah, danger. I mean, we're a part
1: of nature. Yes, it's absolutely.
0: Yes, it, it, without of- death, we cannot create that right. that ending cycle. I mean manure is a form of death and that creates life to the soil. Yeah. It's like um,
1: Western societies. Yeah. I think demonization right. of death or a fear of death.
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So I'll paint a picture, right? We're gonna we're gonna plant tomatoes. So we go in with a, a subsoiler. We're going in with these shanks that are about two and a half feet long mm-hmm. and we're ripping up all the soil. Plants get shredded in that and what comes out? Well, all the gophers start coming out, the, the, the ground you know, rodents start, start coming out, and then hawks start coming, picking them off, okay? If they survive past that, then we come in with discs. Okay? These are very large, you know, depending on size, you know, about a foot to large two feet, these metal discs that all they do is they slice up and grind up that soil. Releasing all of the, the the carbon back into the atmosphere, and destroying the entire microorganisms in that soil. It's it's a it's a nuclear missile blowing this up with it's just killing everything. Mm. It, it's just too much oxygen, okay? Right. They're just oxidizing and and dying. It, you're releasing all the moisture. So they get that to a a form that the soil can be molded and shaped into a bed shaper. Then they come in and they plant one crop. It's all tomatoes. Yeah so it's, you know, it's crops. monoculture it's yeah. monoculture. They plant that and any pest that comes in there, they're either Pre pre pre-spraying to prevent pests from getting it, or spraying because there's an infestation. Whether it's organic or not, they're still spraying pesticide. You cannot spray a crop on a large or you cannot get away without spraying a crop on any whether it's organic or not. Now the organic producers, they are spraying with an organic pesticide. Sometimes that's gentler on the ecosystem, sometimes it's more damaging. There's some there's some organic pesticides that kill nematodes. That's all your earthworms and, you know, micro nematodes in there that are that are exchanging nutrients, you know, they're eating organisms in there, all creating that, you know, there's a wow. whole there's a whole ecosystem under there. And so then we go into the rabbits, the mice, the birds, all of that, they get destroyed at a large Large number that people don't see. I mean, they see the package of tomatoes, they see the you know the the box of noodles, and they think, oh yeah, it's like you know I'm not killing anything. They are killing 25 times more sentient beings when a with a vegetarian vegan uh, diet than they are with with a you know if they were to kill a cow here a you know and that wow. was that protein. So there's something that like the American mindset is like oh a cow is more important than the bunny rabbit you know i'm not gonna t- go in i've i mean i did it i mean i was out there plowing disking up things you know tons of death there's tons of death in, in yeah, nature
1: has death there's no and, way around and then it.
0: nature has death yeah you yeah. look at you know i mean but but on a large scale this
1: is like intentional
0: yeah this is like Yeah. You're going out. You want to kill. I mean, when you're growing, you want one thing growing, You don't want gophers. You don't want ground squirrels. uh, You don't want groundhogs. You don't want pests. You want it all dead so you can grow one thing, right? You know, and it's again, profit driven, right? You know, they don't want a blemish on the tomato. They want it perfectly uniform. That's what industrial agriculture has has produced now,
1: yeah, and we're just seeing we're so divorced from where our food comes from that we like this sort of cognitive dissonance that it's just the noodle. It's just the tomato exactly,
0: yeah, but. yeah. And it goes again, what you know, you don't know your farmer. You don't know where that that wheat came from, the tomato, whatever, the lettuce, you know, it you don't you don't know who's picking that. Did they wash their hands before they use the restroom? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's or even, there's,
1: even just, we're talking about animals at this point, but then I think yeah. of the workers' rights and the oh, like, yeah. hu- like the subhuman level that a lot of these farm mass yeah big ag farmers, the farmers are not yeah. treated fairly.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah, and uh, there's still we rely heavily on humans. You know, we can only mechanically harvest so much. There's more and more each year as robotics get more developed. But yeah, the, you know, you're picking green beans. There's no, there's no uh, tool or or implement that can hand harvest a green bean. So Mm. they're out there picking them. I mean, I've, I've met many of them. So uh, yeah, it's, nobody's hiding that from me. Cause I mean, I like, I I was a part of it, you know, and I hated it. I hated having to spray it. Like I've done it. I, I, that's where I came from. I was, I was taught in the university system, a lot of the classes a uh, conventional way of growing, right? Because you're going to go out, you're going to get your job. Mm-hmm. So you got to know how to do what the industry wants. Right.
1: And like you said, with the one farmer you talked to where the things started to shift, so many farmers are forced in many ways, right? Because it's so alluring yes. economically to make yeah. money because farmers are struggling anyways. Yeah. And they're going to a more of a lucrative system of this right. monoculture, right? Right. And that's why the wheat and the uh, soy and the corn. It's it's so tied into the subsidizing of of yes. money, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And on like the the pesticide, like I totally get it. Because let's say you're like two days away from harvesting your crop. You've worked and you have an outbreak in aphids, you know, like mm-hmm. what are you gonna do? Like you're just gonna like what if you have, you know, five hundred acres of whatever green beans, like you're not gonna risk that. So yeah, you know, it's not all like I shouldn't be too hard on, on the conventional guys. It's like, you know, sometimes you do get that and it is a tool in the toolbox that some farmers use Mm -hmm. uh, to spray, you know, and for the organic growers, like there are certain crops that don't require as much, they're resistant to pests and stuff like that. So you can Mm -hmm. get away with not having to use pesticides, but yeah, it's still used out there. Yeah. My friend, I could talk to you
1: all day long about all this stuff. As you know, the podcast is called the art of being well. Mm Mm-hmm. At the end of every episode, you know, because you listen to the show, hopefully, yeah. um, you're my family. I, I, uh, I'd be uh, really I'm the sad, only one that listens. Right? You're the only family. That's, that's the truth. He's the only family that I have that listens to my podcast. And <laughs>
0: nobody will know that you're saying this. No. It's just between us. So <laughs> yeah, right. We don't even need to keep it a we, secret. We,
1: we don't have to keep it. No one in the family will hear this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the uh no, like,
0: wait, Adam's on listen. <laughs> now, now,
1: now we're gonna get a few more viewers in <laughs> yeah. the family. Not because viewers. of me. <laughs> right. So the this podcast is called The Art of Being Well. This is your art of being well. This is Adam mm. Mason's. This is Adam freaking Mason's art <laughs> of being well. First question is what is the worst tasting healthy food? It tastes disgusting, oh. but you still eat it because there's so much nutrition science around it.
0: Um I don't eat it often but liver and I'm curious to try our beef. We got we've processed our first beef and so I'm really excited about that. But I want to give that another shot. I I've tried our chicken liver. It still has that liver flavored, but mm-hmm. it's not it's so mild and it's mm-hmm. because of that that diet. The uh liver has a punch to it that Sometimes I just can't get past, yeah. but I, I have. I, I will it. say
1: this. People on my telehealth team, we were walking during lunch and I was telling them you're going to be on mean, the podcast and they all are loyal Heal Farm customers. Yeah. And Megan on the telehealth team and the patient team loves the hearts. Yes. She loves the chicken hearts. The
0: hearts are actually really good. There is not that. I mean, they, the flavors great. I call it the calamari of the land. They have, heart has that texture of calamari, kind of that chewier Mm -hmm. flavor. And the hearts are good, man. Like that's one thing. So yeah, you know, getting getting the heart. Yeah, if you're
1: organ meat, maybe. If you're new to organ meats, maybe you wouldn't think to go to the heart because you're like skeeved out by it. But actually texture and taste wise, people like it better.
0: Yeah, and the gizzards, we have gizzards too. We had a chef that braised it for four hours. He said after like two hours, that toughness that you would pull it out. He said, you keep going and it just softens everything up. And I was like, wow. So yeah, he's he's been buying them. He loves them.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And it's something for people that do have a, let's just say preference to be more plant-based, not to always go back to that, but I always tell patients that are more plant-based and if they're open to eating something, and we have some patients that for whatever, religious reasons or ethical reasons, they won't eat meat. And I have to be a pragmatist and build them the mm. best plant-based protocol for their health. But most people are, even if they prefer being more plant-based, they're open to bringing some things in. When you're eating higher nutrient-dense foods like we're talking about here, and especially if you're eating nose to tail or beak to tail, mm-hmm. you actually, if you want to, you could eat less meat mm-hmm. and get more out of it I because agree. nutrient density is increased.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Just food for thought for people that are
1: vegetarian or vegetarian adjacent. Yes. Uh, Pescatarians pretending to be vegetarians. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite natural scent? Like something in nature. Like
0: nature or?
1: Anything out, Anything from the earth.
0: Okay. So when we used to grow at Cal Poly Pomona, we had citrus groves. Oh, they smell amazing. Oh, man. There's nothing like it. In the... Let's see, I guess it was like the springtime and the orange blossoms. That was like, that was just un- unbelievable. We'd walk down, we'd have like picnics and they was just, it's amazing. Oh, that's an incredible aroma. Yeah. That's like just strong orange smell. Yeah. I, your grandparents,
1: they t- used to tell me, Grandpa Mason used to tell me when he, when they live, which is like in the middle of LA now, it's busy, yeah. crazy. It used to be all orange groves. Yeah. Which you think of how, like, we appreciated that one farm, but that's what I, all Southern California used to yes. smell like, or at least large parts yeah. of it. Yeah. It's crazy. What's your favorite, well, let's just say this, coffee or tea, if you had to pick it? I know the answer here, but.
0: Okay, coffee makes me, like, too aggressive, like, agitated. <laughs> it, like, I don't, <laughs> should we get into the coffee? Yeah, the let's coffee not thing? get into this right um, now. Tea, tea would be, okay, I like the flavor of coffee, but tea, i probably go towards tea because people that are sensitive to caffeine, like me. Um, his, his entire it,
1: family is sensitive <laughs> to caffeine. This isn't a family problem. <laughs> Highly Try, sensitive. I'm trying to help them
0: out. <laughs> it's not as like, it's more mild. It's like. Yeah. All right. I like it.
1: What's your dream vacation? Anything in the world. Money's not an object.
0: We want, someday we'd like to go to New Zealand, do the. Yeah. There's tons of farms there. I'd love to see that. I've heard like you need like at least a month to explore those yeah. that area. But uh, yeah, and it sounds fun. definitely got to see the Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. Love it. We were going to
1: watch all the Lord of the Ring movies. Oh, yeah. It just fell apart. We made it through one. One. Yeah. <laughs> and it took us three months to plan that. Yeah.
0: yeah. It did. We it was just pit- too, many we, uh, too
1: many kids. Too many kids. Too many small like, kids. times.
0: It was like. Yeah.
1: It did. We yeah. didn't get far. We did not get far. And Candace, who's on the mental health is physical health episode, she was part of this group of people trying to watch Lord of the Rings viewing party. We failed miserably. What's the weirdest? This is completely relative. What's the weirdest thing you've done for your wellness? (laughs) (laughs) I want to know. I don't know what you're going to say.
0: Oh, man. The weirdest thing? Oh, gosh. Well, I experiment a lot with my wellness. <laughs> I, won't go, I won't go and everyone will be like, dude, you're a freak. I do, I do the cold showers. I've been taking, I have not taken, I have not touched the hot knob on the shower. This is good. Since November of 2017. And that is like, when, when I set my mind to something, I like I said, I don't compromise. Yeah, it this is, is what I
1: mean about the zealot. Like, yeah. he, it's like, he is exclusively cold shower. Yeah, it seems like it's a bleak like, existence. It's to me.
0: totally fine in the summer, but man, when it's negative, you know, five outside, and I gotta take a shower. Oh, I mean, the water's probably still in the forties or something coming out of the faucet, but it is brutal.
1: Yeah, that's that's a weird thing because it's not like people do the cold shower thing, whatever. But you only, do yeah,
0: it. I yeah, and I have not, and I don't like, I don't think I will ever. Take. What's the, okay, people are going to be like, "Well, what's the point, dude? Like, why are you so into I always, this?" i always forget the why. <laughs> i Always forget the conclu or I remember the conclusions. Like, people are like, "Oh, why don't you drink Coca-Cola?" Well, I remember that like 10 years ago when I stopped drinking soda, like what, you know, <laughs> whatever you nonsense are yeah. in there, the, yeah. the you know, caramel colorings and whatever. So, I know it will What do you just what do you get? Well, how do you feel? Yeah. Let's go off about of uh, you feel. Well, gosh, the euphoric feeling. It's like a mini cold plunge. Yeah. So it's probably the dopamine. Yeah. And the it's serotonin a dopamine. increase. Um, yeah. Like I don't like to take, like if I took a shower at nine o'clock at night, I'm up till almost, you know, midnight because of that, that hit. But I know it's, it's great for the body. It, to me, it's kind of a, a mind challenge. I like to mm-hmm. challenge battle between the mind and the body. I, I like to uh, put my body into challenging positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the cold shower, my body doesn't want to do, and it's yeah. a fun, it's a fun so it's battle. almost like a
1: meditation in like uh, surrender, yeah. in a way, yeah, and non resistance, mm-hmm. yeah. That's how I see it for you too, and for yeah. many people, it is for sure. What's a book? You're a voracious reader. What is a book? It could be fiction, nonfiction that you've read in the past year that got you thinking in a new way. that was like just very you know insightful, sticks out uh, in your mind
0: for like on the wellness side of things. No,
1: it could be anything. People have said science Ooh. fiction on the show. People have said self-help, finance.
0: Recently or like overall? Just within the past year. Oh, within the past year. Because you've probably read a lot in the past year. I did do Atlas Shrugged. That was a good one. Classic. Um, Ayn Rand. Yeah. That was a long one. On a health side of things, The Vegetarian Myth by Lear Keith. <sighs> that was awesome. Like so dense- on the science, she did such an amazing job at that. Yeah that that was that was a really good one. Like you, you know you you know some things right, and and then you read that and you're like oh man she went so into depth in that that was it was really good. Well that, that kind
1: of works with today's conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah much. that's I mean that's probably why it's fresh in my mind right now. But yeah, yeah I love um, it.
1: So where can people go? Where do people go? I know we have a special code for everybody. Where do they go to learn more about your work and yeah. get some of this yummy so,
0: food? We are, we want to offer everyone listening 15% off on their next purchase. Okay. And then they'll also be entered for, we do a, a free monthly giveaway. So if you use the promo code, Dr. Will Cole, okay. you will get 15% off your order. And then, and we do ship. So we ship free. If you order $249 to like 20 different States, if you're outside of that area, you have to pay the the difference on what the shipping cost is. But you ship to all. Um, states. I ship. Yeah, we ship to California. You know, so it, it, yeah, anywhere, Perfect. anywhere in the lower forty-eight. Yeah, and then if you want to sign up for our giveaway, go to heelfarms dot com slash dr will cole. Okay, so D-R-, a- dr will cole. So yeah, will Heel cole.
1: farms h e a l f a r m s dot, dot com. com slash dr will cole. Yes. Okay, sweet. And then they can go. That's how they get into the giveaway. And you give away free food.
0: Yes. Yeah. We do a a chicken uh, chicken package that has like pretty much all of our cuts in there. So we do. I mean, there's ground chicken. We have three different flavors of our chicken sausage that are just amazing. Wings, thighs, drumsticks. We do bones for bone broth. People doing bone broth. We're actually going to sell. We're, we're working with a chef who's actually taking our our bones, some of the excess. He's cooking them down to actually pre-made bone broth. So we're going to be we're going to be having bone broth, That's amazing, uh, pre-made. You just thaw that thing out and and heat it up. That's
1: crazy. Um, yes. Use code Doctor Will D R. Will Cole, Yes, at checkout for anything yeah. for fifteen percent off. Then we
0: could put it in the link. I'll put the, it in the
1: show notes for everybody. Yeah, the show notes uh, as well. And I didn't even get to say this, but like you have had you bring kids that are have never seen a farm in their life. Yeah. Like kids that are are really in bad situations mm-hmm. and in impoverished parts of our city which is mm-hmm. Pittsburgh is in many parts of it a food de- an urban mm, yeah, food desert. Absolutely. And then where we live it's in many ways a rural food desert. Mm-hmm. And you're bringing in you're educating local kids yeah to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right? I, don't, I before we go I'd love yeah, to Yeah, yeah. So about
0: there's this. there's a a couple of them. I've done a couple grou- different groups of them and one of the groups they have been gosh, I feel like they were like 10 or 11. They're like they're almost graduating high school now. So yeah, they're They've never been on a farm. And for them, it's like, it's unbelievable. They told me they're like, it's so quiet out here. And they're like, we can hear birds. Like, that was the thing they say. It's like, it's so green and we hear birds. And they've, you know, if they've never seen animals, now these kids, so they come and they help me when it's time to load the chickens to go to processing and you should see them. I mean, they are, we we got the system down and it's a, it's a great time for me to mentor them. You know, the dad's not around Mm -hmm. and raised by, by their grandma and, and single mom that's both Entrepreneurs trying to make in it. And these kids, like, you know, it's a great time to mentor them and challenge them to, you know, be a, a, an amazing human being someday. So, yeah, there, there's that. And then we work with a, um, a nonprofit out in Pittsburgh that takes kids that have been from the ages of like 15 to 19 that have been through the justice system and they're, you know, get their second chance and they're working on the chef side of things. So they're like in the restaurant industry. So they work them through every station through there. Mm -hmm. And so they got to come out first time of them being on a farm. We do homeschool groups, but yeah, I love, love the educating aspect of things Mm -hmm. and showing people how their, how food can be grown, how it should be grown. Yeah. Uh, Let's
1: let's make some changes. I think we're this conversation is going to really inspire people to be more mindful about where their food's coming from and, you know look at the sources of the
0: food so I love it love it brother thanks for having me on see ya it was so much fun